And then that night, I like just felt like I had just committed murder. <laughs> and I thought, oh no, God is punishing me. And he, and he resurrected, he brought back this mouse to live. And I love visiting those places with Clutch because whenever I go to places like that, it, it's like a spiritual experience for me. And it's kind of hard to put it into words, but it's like, I don't know, I feel like I almost sometimes make myself. Welcome to the Why We Hike podcast where we explore the highs, the lows, and the whys for going outside. I'm your host, Ford Thunder Erickson, and boy howdy, that intro rhymed real good. Let's do some talking. All right, here we are. Me and my friend Clutch Lambert, who you may be familiar with because of this podcast. The second episode ever put out was with Clutch Lambert, but I think Clutch knows this. That was definitely the worst interview I ever did. No offense to you, Clutch. Well, there was a lot of people watching. It's pretty made me pretty nervous. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people walk walking around. I did a terrible job as an interviewer. I basically just started asking him questions. We were just standing there next to my car at this place where there's lots of people between the rivers gathering. And people are walking by like, hey, what are you guys doing? Oh, oh, that's cool. You guys doing a podcast? Cool. I'll stand and listen. Taking pictures <laughs> of us. If you ever taking pictures, it was pretty terrible. And uh, so I feel like I didn't quite do clutch justice. And we just happened to be uh, living in the Bay Area, Bay Area of California for this week, living in a basketball gym, long story short, uh, working for California Survival School. And I uh, thought, hey, how about a little redemption clutch, you know? Oh, yeah. What do you think about that? Uh, I love redemption stories. It's, uh, it's going to be my comeback. Yeah. It's going going hard today. Going hard, going heavy. Uh, yeah, so we're laying, we're sitting down in this uh, just a bunch of dirt. We were trying to find a place to sit on the edge of the bay here in the bay area. But uh, can't see it right now. Just see power lines and dirt right now. So sorry, Clutch. Right. Looks like it's going bad already. It's hard to find some good nature in this in this place, so this this is good. Yeah. And Clutch lives in uh, Sacramento. Yeah, but don't tell you, too many people You that. like it there? Uh, not so much. <laughs> you like the city? Not so much. <laughs> Sorry, this is going real bad. <laughs> uh, Clutch, he lives in California, and he appreciates the nature of California, but he struggles in the city sometimes, you know? Oh, yeah. And, uh, I'm not really in the city. I'm kind of on a little family five-acre kind of farm. But, you know, it's connected to everything. Yeah. I'd like to be further out. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, sorry I'm making fun of you already, Clutch. Uh, well, but we want to talk about, you guys, if you haven't listened to this episode, go listen to it. You learn a little bit about Clutch. Clutch one of my good friends. We've worked together a lot, a lot of teaching a lot of survival skills, Lots of different stuff, and we're actually out here in California teaching uh, basic survival skills to little kiddos of the Bay Area of California right now, and uh, have a good time doing that. That's basically Clutch and I's entire relationship is doing exactly what we're doing right now, sitting in weird places, usually on the dirt, and uh, eating Pop-Tarts and donuts and talking about survival skills. That's that, not an understatement. That's very true. That's about 95% of everything we've ever done, ever. And I've enjoyed every time. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Oh, yeah. Don't want to do anything else. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, 
He hasn't even really played basketball with me in the basketball gym that we live in currently. There's a bunch of people in there. Yeah, that's true. The janitor's walking the bas- around. The ball's kind of flat. Yeah, it's kind of hard to play basketball, but I just play by myself. Anyway, we had a good conversation the other day um, about killing animals. Oh, yeah. That was pretty interesting. Um, Clutch told a story about when he was a kid, and it prompted a really good discussion between Clutch and I and Elizabeth Baird, who was with us at the time. Um, yeah, can you tell that story about uh, something about a mouse when you were a kid? Yep. So this is kind of the story when I, you know, I like to hunt now, but I was really turned off because basically my first experience hanging out with a, this kid was like my only kid I knew that was really into hunting, like growing up. So this is kind of before we, he was really inviting me hunting. But he came over to my house and I was like this shy, timid kid. And he was just kind of like aggressive kid, but I guess we were friends. Uh, you know, I didn't really have any friends outside of my own cousins. But he comes over, and somehow we found, <coughs> and we caught this mouse. And then he's like, "Let's capture it!" And I was like, "All right, that's cool." And it's not like I loved mouse mice or anything, but well, you'll see. <laughs> and so we found. Like, he's like, "What do we put it in?" And like, I went to the garbage, and I found like one of those like roast beef nets like looks like a little fishing net you know that you, the roast beef stuff comes to, sometimes comes in and we put it in there and then I was like cool we caught a mouse like this is going good and then he's like oh let's like put in some water and I was like oh should we <laughs> and then like we went and it was there was like you know it rained a lot and there was all these puddles uh, on the property pretty significant puddles and he goes and he's like putting it under the water and like holding it down longer and like pulling kind of, it out kind of like giving it like water torture like yeah a little bit of waterboarding but each time he's holding it down a little bit further and like my eyes are just big and i'm like oh no like we're torturing this mouse and like he was having a good old time like oh just like maniacally <laughs> laughing yeah and i was just like uh like i did not feel right about it at all and so basically he held it under longer each time and each time until it died and then he was just like, okay. And like, was basically like ready to throw it in the net, just chuck it. And I was like, well, should, should we bury it? Like trying to just, like that took just bravery, like saying that. And he's like, fine, we'll, we could bury it. And like out in my field, there was a bunch of horse hoofs, you know, in the mud. And they when it dries, the horse hoofs leave these little holes in the mud. So we, we stuck it under there and he just kind of threw it. And then I like kind of swept it under and tried to bury it really quick. And he's like, let's get out of here. And I was like, okay. And then that night, I, like, just felt like I had just committed murder. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you? I don't know. I was pretty young. I mean, maybe 10. Um, and I know, uh, I don't know, I just felt like, I just felt sick. And it wasn't so much that we killed something, but it was that we slowly tortured it. And I don't know, I just felt terrible. So, like, that night, I, like, laid down and, and, uh, and I, like, I cried and then I... I like prayed to God. I'm like, please forgive me for killing this mouse. Like I didn't want to do it. I should have stood up to this kid, but I'm just so shy. You know, I was scared. And then so the next day, like I like woke up and I was like, okay, least thing I could do is go be right and and uh, bury this. Like give this mouse a better like burial instead of just some mud hole out there. So I go out there and I I look and there, I know the spot, no doubt. And I looked in there and it was gone. <laughs> And I thought, oh no, God is punishing me. And he, and he resurrected, 
he brought back this mouse to live and like you know because it was tortured to death and I guess I should have felt like oh it's it's still alive like it's good and instead I just felt like worse because of like I felt like it was directly of my actions and my negligence of not standing up to this kid and truth be told it was not really buried and there's lots of wild animals and coyotes that would roam through the field so more than likely something came and grabbed it but that was my first experience uh with animal torture and yeah like I said like this kid later was like let's go hunting like I love hunting and I was like no you're bloodthirsty and I don't want anything to do with that yeah yeah, yeah Clutch told us that story yesterday. It was really funny, but it was also like, it's a good story. Because uh, I can't remember exactly what prompted it, but uh, because I had an experience maybe just last week, which like really small, but because we were talking about you were saying like, because you're kind of sort of defending the kid, the murder kid, who was killing and torturing the mouse. Because it's like, yeah, it's just kind of what little boys do. And well, it doesn't necessarily mean they're like psychopath potential serial killers. Right. I think I think some kids that do that are just boys and we don't really think about it. Yeah. You know, maybe I did that later, something similar. But and then other boys are like, uh, eh, this guy might be a Ted Bundy. Yeah. It's half and half. Yeah, it's fifty <laughs> percent chance of being a serial killer, basically that's what we're saying. Um but no, I mean like there there's a little a little twinge of that, it seems like in a lot of boys at least that's all i can speak of um for in my experience anyway and i know i I had a like little twinges of that i don't remember ever torturing mice or anything like that growing up but little things like that and i had an experience last week where we have a lot of ants in my kitchen in salt lake city there's not necessarily a lot of ants but there's just always like three ants no matter what Every, anytime you go in there, any time of day, if you just stand there and look around, you'll see about three ants. But you said they're not grouped together. They're never grouped together. They're just walking around. It doesn't seem like they're ever even getting into food or anything. They're just walking around on the countertops or on the wall. Always three. It's really weird. That sounds like a like a spy thing. Like, they, they might not be real ants. <laughs> That's what it seems like, that. yeah. Anyway, so I just kind of got in the habit over the last year or so. Whenever I see him, I just smash him and kill him, you know. And uh, but then it's I've got I kind of feel bad about that. I feel like as I've gotten more, quote unquote, maybe more in touch with nature, uh, I feel kind of bad sometimes if I think about it long enough. I'm like, ah, oh, man, that ant. It's like it's a grown up, full grown ant. It's just exploring its world, and all of a sudden I just kill it, you know. And it's not even doing anything. It's just walking around. And uh, when I think about it too long, then I'm like, oh, gosh, but I don't want ants walking around all over my countertops, you know. So then it becomes this real crisis. And so it's a lot of times I'll just put the ants underneath, uh, like, glass cups or uh, glass jars and stuff. And so, and I'll leave them under there for days. <laughs> Sometimes I'll have two or three ants under the same jar, and I'll just leave them there. And then every once in a while, maybe I'll put a couple crumbs under there. And I'm like, what the heck am I even doing? It's like I'm afraid to kill them, but I'm just torturing them. And then kind of cap it off, I had experience last week when I, that happened. There was this ant near the sink, and I was washing dishes, and so I, like, flicked the ant into the sink, and I was trying to wash it down the drain with the water. And it was a, like, really resilient ant, and it, like, climbed out of the water and started climbing back up the sink. And so then I took the little wash, like, dishwashing wand and uh, kind of, you know, 
uh, pressed on that so the all the soap suds were coming down and started washing the ant back down the sink again. And I was having this weird moment where I was just like seeing what the ant could survive. And I had this moment where I was like, whoa. I just kept watching this ant struggle and then get out and then I would do something else to it. And I was like, man, I haven't... This is like what I would do when I was a little kid. This like weird fascination with what this ant can go through. And I didn't feel like a murderer at the time, even though that's exactly what I was doing, even though it was just a little ant. But had this sort of... uh, it's more like I was kind of like fascinated by the ant and just like watching it and seeing what it could go through and how it moves. And I'm like, man, it's like in a terrified moment right now. But I'm just having a jolly old time watching it struggle. And it was this weird twisted moment where I was finding joy in something's suffering. And it's, and I was reminded of that when Clutch told that story. And so we were just talking about animals and stuff and, you know, hunting and all these kind of things and how do you come to terms with that? I don't know, because you were saying you want to get more into hunting now, yeah. but you've always kind of struggled with that. Yeah, I mean, I think that was my biggest thing is I didn't, like, from that as a kid, that was my experience. And, like, we butchered animals and stuff at home, and, like, so it's not like I wasn't around that. But, yeah, I was just, and I was never against hunting, but I don't know. It was hard. And, yeah, so nowadays I'm, I've been hunting more animals and stuff, and I don't know. It's all about intent, you know. You go out to to take a life to eat with good intent and good respect it feels completely different you know like I shot a bird recently and I took it back and we ate it and but I did it you know I was like super grateful for this bird and like I was able to pluck it and process it and wash it in the creek and show all my nieces and nephews and everybody ate some of it it was like really good experience um but yeah it's a lot different than holding a mouse underwater watching it try to get to the surface yeah. so it's weird but i think you might be a psychopath we could take you in for testing <laughs> yeah maybe we could do that but our ants work. our ants the ants even matter and why is it that ugly animals are easier to kill I don't people think are ant- okay with killing rats and possums. i don't think i don't think ants are ugly all right but they don't there's there is like a weird thing where we like we put like values on certain animals and like you know dogs have a certain value like canines but and like you know and other stuff doesn't just because it looks different or acts different and like we kind of put a lot of human emotions into animals yeah it's kind of like squirrels and rats you know we have a lot of rats in my neighborhood that's the difference you mean obviously when you think of rats i feel like i think of like new york city rats you know the ones that are infesting everyone's houses and stuff like that you know that i could see that you know that's different they're a pest in that situation but the rats in our neighborhood they never get in anyone's houses as far as i know but we see them walking around see them in the trees and stuff and and the squirrels do the same thing and i feel like everybody loves squirrels like oh look at that great little squirrel jumping around oh what a precious little thing i don't feel like i hear of many people wanting to kill all the squirrels in their neighborhood except for maybe your childhood friend (laughs) but uh but rats people are like oh oh rats you know and uh well, look at the movies, like the old old movies we watched in the 80s and 90s. The, mouse, the mice are like the good people, and the rats are the evil villain, you know? Yeah, it's true. Like, are they that different? It's the tail. Yeah, it's the tail. People <laughs> creeped out by the tail. But I, when I realized that squirrels are just rats, because when we were a little kid, we'd, we had tons of walnuts and stuff, and we would 
feed the squirrels. I remember at one point we got a point where some of the squirrels would come take them from our hands in our backyard. And I remember one time we touched the squirrel's tail. We were little kids at that point, but we just assumed the tail was like this big fluffy tail. Mm. But it's not. It's a rat's tail. It's just really thin hair that's like Mm. standing up, but it's not thick. It's just a straight up rat's tail. And so it's just a rat. But could it be... disguised. Could it be maybe the fact that rats will often come into your house and steal your food and creep around and squirrels generally just going to stay outside? Yeah, it's got to be it. I don't know. I think rats are pretty cool, but I've never had rat problem in my house. They steal our chickens' food sometimes, so we speaking, trap them speaking at our of house. Killing rats. I actually worked at a horse boarding place, and every day we had there was a huge, just a bunch of horses there, a bunch of grain in the barn, and I just was the caretaker. I had to. Uh, there was a huge rat problem, and she wanted all the rats dead, and I was like, "All right, I'm your man," and I set up so many rat traps and glue traps and. And I killed a lot of rats, like significant amount. And it was it was easier. This was a later time in life, uh, and I definitely got some rats on the glue trap that I had to come in, and as they screeched, I had them hit them with the shovel. Oh, jeez! Oh gosh! And then I would just throw them out in the pasture and watch the rat corpses stack up. Oh, wow! To today, I feel like we would have brought some primitive skills friends over and we would have probably harvested those dirty ranch rats and at least tried one try them try to make like some gloves out of their skins yeah huh well yeah it was just a conversation we had earlier that was interesting had to do with uh nature sort of and uh i guess one other thing i want to talk to you about clutch we talked about in your first interview about how you love going to uh, you love ancient archaeology. Oh uh, yeah, let's dig some stuff up. Yeah, you like to find ruins and stuff like that, and it's a. Uh, I remember you talked about how it's a. It's kind of a spiritual experience for you. Sure. And uh, Clutch and I had the opportunity to go visit some cool ruins this last uh, winter in the Superstition Mountains in Arizona. Uh, we won't tell you where they are because we don't want them to get overrun by people. I guess I just kind of told you where they are, but. Superstitions in a big place. You can go find, find them, them, and you're allowed to look at them. Yeah, they're hard to get to. I've been wanting to get to these ones for years, but I just haven't been able to because they're pretty remote. And Clutch was in town. I know he likes that kind of thing. He's also got a truck, so he can get on some of those roads that I can't. So I used him for his truck to get where I wanted to go. And uh, for Clutch, what? I was just say I was okay being used that way. Yeah. Good. Uh, but we, we went out there. What was that experience like for you, Clutch? This place was incredible. So we've seen a lot of ruins, but this place, you know, a cave in the rock and really complete, uh, ruins, really good roof on it, which was really cool. Part of the roof was torn open a little bit so we could actually see the construction of it. But just seeing ruins that are that complete, that were seven, 800 years old, I don't know. It's, it's just crazy to, to imagine people living there and trying to imagine what their day-to-day life was, but then be able to pick up the evidence a little bit and kind of see, uh, you know, where they might have got their water, where they, a little bit of remnant of old corn cob, stuff like that. Just, yeah. I don't know, it was, inc- it was profound. Yeah, it was awesome. And then just kind of scouring. We didn't have a lot of time. We wish we would have kind of backpacked in there. We just made a day trip. We ended up 
hiking, kind of bushwhacking in the dark, getting our way back. But um, we wish we would have camped out there because they're kind of exploring some of the other caves around there, trying to look for different things. And it was cool to go up to this other cave that was kind of near them just to see if there's anything else up there. And it doesn't look like there was. But then the closer you look, we started, we could tell that there was uh, pictographs on the wall. That was a really cool moment oh, yeah. for me to just, at first glance, like, ah, it's just a little cave, nothing in here. And then you look closer and you could see, like, these little shapes of drawings on the wall. There was animals and people and all kinds of things on there. And it also looked like there might have used to be some kind of natural spring in that cave because uh, there was a lot of uh, green plants growing right mm-hmm. there, some little trickle. And so there probably was some kind of spring or something that they were also drinking from, which would have been amazing right there. And, uh, yeah, it was a cool experience to be able to see the the reeds and things yeah, that they used, it. like the thatching and the roof was still there. Mm-hmm. And who knows how old, you know, like Clutch said, maybe 800 and who years maybe older a thousand years old maybe and those reeds are still there in the wall and people chopped those down from down in the canyon and brought them up there there's just something really cool about that and i love visiting those places with clutch because whenever i go to places like that it, it's like a spiritual experience for me and it's kind of hard to put it into words but it's like i don't know i feel like i almost sometimes make myself separate from ancient people like almost like they are aliens to me like we live different completely different lives like we don't see things the same or anything like that but being in a place like that it it humanizes them and makes them really real yeah when you see the when you see where they potentially drank Mm. and ate literally finding little remnants of food and where they cooked their fire definitely makes them more real yeah, and then it definitely connects you. Like you feel like, I mean, we're all one people. We all came from the same place. We just like to fight each other, and you know, divide. Yeah. We divide ourselves in every way, mm. but we really are the same same place, and we do have those same shared, uh, you know, background as mm. those people. Ours was just further, yeah, what back. When you stand in those spots where they lived, you're seeing what they saw. You know. They saw this spot that was like, oh, this is a beautiful view. This is cool. And Let's it, build something here. It makes them look like they had a pretty good life. Like, obviously, we don't know what kind of tormo- t- turmoil. I've been having a hard time. T- every time we I interview. A, I have a hard time <laughs> talking, too, man. I can't say words very well lately. Turmoil. We don't know what stuff they went through and warfare and famine. But you look at these spots and we're, you know, we hear, all, oh, like, oh, cavemen and people you don't want to live way back then and then you go look at these spots and actually eat what they ate when you gather food out in the wild you're like dang this actually is cool and like we sat there on that edge as the sun was going down with this ancient structure and with these cliffs and the colors changing and like like whoever lived there enjoyed some good sunsets like that was was a good spot just imagine cooking up a meal and sitting there on that ledge right there in front of their house watching the sunset on those cliffs right there. And then, of course, you keep wondering, these people had babies. Did they live here full time? <laughs> did they drop? Did the babies fall off? How did they get up there? <laughs> Cause, I mean, they must have had ladders or something in some of those spots. But, yeah, they probably had little kids crawling around. I don't know. How did that work? You know, but just all the... When you're in a spot like that, I just always imagine 
like the literal, it's an overused kind of saying, but the blood, sweat, and tears that happened. There's probably childbirths that happened in that, in well, those and look, rooms. You think know? about this. So last week or two weeks ago, we made a Cobb oven with Adam Hardy and Reagan Hardy up at Between the Rivers Gathering in Washington, and we made a little oven that took, I mean, it took a lot of effort and energy and figuring out how to mi- mix that clay together. Now, that whole structure that we saw, two two structures really, that's all made out of earth stuff. Think about the construction yeah. and the labor that went into that, and it was well constructed. Yeah, it was really good. How many people, how many man hours that would take? How far they had to br- haul the stuff in and up there? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, and then I, water too. They had to yeah, haul water up there. Water to get up it. there to turn stuff into clay, or did they do that down below? And then haul the clay up. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it's just fascinating to think about how they did it. But just being in a place, and I, I like going places like that with Clutch because he appreciates this just as much as anybody. I feel like so it's fun to go because sometimes if you go someplace like that and it's just blowing my mind and I can't even put words to it, and some people are like. Oh, it's not as cool as I thought it'd be. <laughs> yeah. Go back to Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. But uh, just being a place like that, it just feels like a holy place to me. Like as holy as any place I've ever been. You know, like sacred where that's a place where people lived. You know, they even just bare minimum, that's where they put all that work in and all the pain and suffering of just building that thing. But not only that, but living in it and all the experiences they had and how many maybe generations lived there. Um, what they used it for, how it helped them, you know, and then they vanished eventually. And uh, being in a place like that, because home, homes are sacred, you know, like if I visited, and it's not just Native American places, if I went to any place, it's like an old yeah. castle or something, it's like, man, how many like ghosts of the past are here? Mm-hmm. They you know? feel, it's so, you feel it, you feel it when you show up to those places. Yeah. So what is that? We're just thinking it's cool and we feel it? No, I think there's something there. Like, yeah, like old cabins and stuff mm-hmm. in the West. Like, a lot of times, that's one thing that kind of bothers me is we finally got into a place that, like, we respect, like, uh, ancient uh, Native American, uh, you know, archaeological sites. At least most people do. But, like, we kind of, like, crap on our own, like, uh, pioneer-like structures. Like, we, like, rip down the wood and we carve our names in them and stuff. And I'm not a big fan of that because I think those places are just as special. They're not as old, but, like, what happened there? Yeah. Some cool stuff could have gone down. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. You're going you're gonna to open me up and talk for the next four hours thinking about <laughs> all the places I've been. Yeah. But, yeah, I think it's cool because, um, yeah, when we got to that place in Arizona, those ruins, um, you had talked about that before. And I do the same thing, but usually just kind of to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, like you say, you like to take a second to, like, thank whoever, yeah. you know. what. And I, it's a little bit cheesy. And like a little bit like, you know, if I don't tell that to everybody, because it's a little bit embarrassing. Now we're just telling everybody, no, this is a good audience, I'm sure. But yeah, like, I'm like, hey, let's take a minute before we go up and like, not a prayer, but kind of a prayer. Like, yeah. we're going to say some, we're going to say some words before we just go up and look at this. Yeah. And I thought it was cool because I, I like, I do that usually if I'm by myself. But if I'm with, with other people, even if it was with you, and I know you do that kind of yeah. stuff. I wouldn't really do it. I'd maybe just do it in my head. And that's why but you're the you're it. the one that brought it up, it. which I thought was cool. You're like, oh, because I was just walking up there. And you're like, oh, wait, can we say a few words? Yeah. And I thought that was awesome. That was cool. I do it with other people, and definitely they're like, all right. 
how many hippies you've been hanging out with. <laughs> yeah, that's why I think it's cool. When I visited those ruins up above uh, Pine Creek in Arizona, where we I go, go Anasazi. Yeah, I want you to go up there because that place blew my mind. It was a lot cooler than I thought it'd be. It's up on this cliff overlooking this really, really awesome place we spend a lot of time at at the Anasazi Foundation at Pine Final D, if any Anasazis are listening. That's why I'm ashamed because I've been there so many times, but I've always been wrapped up. Yeah, well, I've, it's hard when you're we busy gotta go. When you're working. It's hard to get up there. I just got fortunate a couple times that I could. And I went up there, and that first time I went up there, I was just blown away because they're, yeah, they're literally up on this cliff overlooking this amazing place with all these incredible resources down there, this creek and all these trees. It looks like, you know, all these mesquite trees. It almost looks like it was farmed. Like maybe they planted those back in the day. I don't know. But it's this huge structure that they built up there, and it's unbelievable view up on this cliff, and you're like, man, I would build something up here, but it seems like it would be some kind of like spiritual place up here. You know, it's not necessarily maybe where I would live. I don't know. That's just the feeling that I got when I was up there by myself. <laughs> I was up there forever. But I even at, at one point, I just felt like, obligated to just kneel down and pray while I was up there because it was so awesome because it was such it just felt so sacred and uh, anybody else well you need to ask you need to get Dave Holiday here and tell a story oh, yeah. of him taking a native I, I can't tell the story but some native that he was working with with boss uh, of Mexico indigenous guy and he took him through Sedona and the guy like looked at that rock and was like oh that's a spiritual rock and Dave Holiday's like, oh yeah, people have been saying that for years, and there's even some guy who had a cult and conned some people out of money, but that story's worth... This is just a teaser. You could edit this out. <laughs> well, I'll try to get Dave on here someday. Um, are you cold? No, I'm not cold. Okay. Seems like Clutch is getting cold. It's getting a little chilly out here, and he's sitting on his coat because he's afraid of getting his butt dirty. Yeah. Clutch doesn't like the dirt very much? Hate it. Just gets on my body and then I just have to go to get a hotel and put uh, uh, oils and lotions all over my skins to tr- and scrub them as hard and put some bleach on my skins. Yeah, cl- yeah, Clutch does that kind of stuff a lot. Uh, well, the other thing that we talked about this interview... Oh is that I was going to interview you? Yeah. Is that where we're going? I is guess. That, is that the part? What, yeah. what were we going to Well, we say? talked about this because I was like, yeah, it'd be cool to interview you again, Clutch, but I mean, like, we already did. And you said, well, I should interview you. I feel like you don't get interviewed. You might talk sure. on your podcast. I never get interviewed. It's ne- never happened. All right, part two. All right. Uh, welcome to the Why We Hike podcast. Uh, Ford is... <laughs> so Ford, we're out this beautiful place. Uh, so what's your opinions... <laughs> I feel like I should have prepared questions. This is the first <laughs> podcast interview I've done. I mean, you're doing real great. Give him a round of applause, everybody. If you're driving your car, clap your hands, clutch. No, he's, no, I'm supposed doing, to say He's those doing things. kind of a crappy say, job, but what? to try to make him feel better, you know. What? So no, you're doing fine. You're doing okay. Great. Here's a good question for you, Ford. I feel like you and some other friends we have kind of live in a the uh, what's the word dichotomy? Two worlds sometimes, right? We have like me. I pretty much just, I live in other worlds and I do other things, but I pretty much just think and breathe like being outside. Alien, like aliens and stuff. Aliens? I do like that kind of stuff. You want to talk about it? No. Uh, sorry, keep going <laughs> to your question. But you have very different talents. Music, um, acting, you know, and entertainment, uh, outdoors, hiking, running, 
primitive skills, that whole category. So like, I don't know what my question is, but how do you, why, why do you have all these interests? <laughs> That's such a broad question. <laughs> Let's just explore that for a minute. All right. All right. So, yeah. so you have these interests and I, you've kind of told, how do you balance those? Like you have kind of talked about, uh, you're away from music a little yeah, bit, but yeah. yeah, speak on that. Whatever, whatever, whatever I, stimulates you. Them. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good things in life, you know. There's a lot of cool things to do. And I didn't used to think that. I always wanted to die. Ever tell you that? I think so. <laughs> when I was growing up, I loved high school. I loved being a kid so much because you don't have to. You don't have to do anything. You really were emo. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Emo's my favorite style of music. Still is. Uh, but yeah, I, I loved being a kid. And so I didn't want to grow up and, uh, not in a depressing way, but I remember telling my parents a whole bunch of times, I was like, yeah, hopefully I, hopefully I die when I'm like 19. Hmm. I remember telling my dad that even when I was 18, I was like, yeah, I want to die next year. And I was a hundred percent serious. I was like, yeah, I'm just done. Like lived a good life. I don't want to, adulthood has nothing to offer me at all. Nothing looked cool. Nothing. College jobs, everything hated everything, but I love being a kid everything about being a kid I cried when I couldn't go back to high school mm. the next year like when after I graduated and the next fall came around all my friends wow. are going back to school I like cried I was like having an emotional breakdown because I wanted to go back and I didn't know what to do I just wanted to be a kid just want to be a teenager the rest of my life and uh, so it's been a big journey for me to learn like oh there's actually some cool stuff you can do <laughs> and sure. you can keep avoiding adulthood your entire adult life there's there's good ways to do it and, and maintain a balance um so how about as far as like, like do you feel like, like with trying to pursue acting and stuff so heavily, but also really doing a lot of uh, stuff with like outdoor skills and primitive skills, do you feel like, like those things complement each other, or do you feel like they split you into two? Mm. Uh, maybe in some kind of obscure ways they complement each other, and I think they do. But I think it definitely feels like a competition sometimes. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I was telling you earlier, I, you know, I grew up playing in tons of bands and playing a lot of music, and I feel like that's one of my great talents and passions. But then over the last year and a half or so, I feel like, man, I haven't played much music at all, mm. you know, and I feel guilty about it sometimes. But it's not that I've just been playing Nintendo games, which Nintendo's pretty fun. But... I haven't been playing a lot of Nintendo games. Sure. Although I did buy my mom an Xbox 360 for Christmas. And I'm the only one who plays it. That's besides the point. I keep talking about Nintendo. I don't play video games that much. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... I don't remember what I was saying. It's a competition. Oh, yeah. You're focusing on... You haven't been able to listen to music or play music as well. Yeah, much. yeah. And so I feel bad about it and I want to... I want to rededicate myself, but I've been doing stuff the whole time. You know, I've been focusing on other things. I'm making my videos, doing this podcast, yep. you know, uh, doing all kinds of outdoor stuff, trail running and whatnot. And uh, so music's kind of been put on the back burner a little bit because I haven't had any pressing music things, but I feel bad about it. And so it definitely feels kind of like a competition, sort of. Who's my favorite child kind of thing. But, you know, all in all, I feel like 
just, that's just life, you know? And it's better to have like way too much, too many good things rather than being depressed that you don't have anything good going on in your life. You know, I have like an insurmountable, like if I could not sleep, like not have to sleep, obviously sleeping's pretty nice, but I would like uh, maybe sleep like once every like fourth day because there's so many awesome things I could be doing. Yeah. You know, and there's just so many awesome things in life. And I feel like getting into the outdoors has kind of helped me see that more because mm. I didn't, I wasn't into it when I was growing up very much. Um, but re- like discovering that, continually discovering it more and more as I'm getting older has like been really good therapy for me and uh, helped me be able to see the good in the world, you know? Here's a question for you. <clears throat> and you might have answered it many times on this podcast. I don't know. I haven't listened to it enough. Yo, you haven't listened to all my episodes? <laughs> well, I, I listen to it at night subconsciously, but let them seek in. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying you didn't list all the episodes. Of course I, I did. Of course, I meant to say that I love your show. Big fan. Getting a Why We Hike tattoo after oh. this. Matching ones. Oh, man. You don't have to I'm do that. I'm paying for it. Oh, you have to get one. Man, we either choose where you put it. On each other's Oh, body. well, you said you'd get it because you're a big fan. <laughs> we'll both get it after this. But why'd you start this podcast? Have you said that before? Uh, hmm. And what do you what do you hope? Like, what's your legacy, Ford, with your podcast? Uh, I mean, I had an idea to do a podcast for a while. And <laughs> one of my first ideas for names when I was just, I was like, man, the outdoors really does something for me. But kind of in a therapy way, I've worked in wilderness therapy a lot, and the outdoors has been therapy for me. In discovering it, it's really helped me a lot. And just walking, using my legs has been therapy for me, and so I wanted a way to be able to... It's made a big impact on me, and so I wanted a podcast that explored that side of it a little bit, because I'd listened to some other outdoor podcasts, and they just weren't quite feeding my soul, you know? They're talking about some good stuff, like practical things, like, oh, this backpacking trip is really cool. This is how you get permits. Oh, this is my favorite kind of backpack. All that kind of stuff. Like, oh, it's nice, you know, nice, useful information. But I'm like, "Ah, I don't know. That's not really why I go outside. I go outside because it does something for my soul. Like, it, like, moves my spirit and makes me a better person. helps me process life. And... I know it's like that for a lot of people and so I want to explore make a podcast about that like yeah we went did this cool trip in these mountains and this is what we felt you know Uh, we had this terrible experience that was so miserable and it was funny Um, but this is why we still think it was a good trip you know kind of thing like that that's what I want I want to feed my soul and I feel like I didn't really find that anywhere anywhere and but I just couldn't quite conceptualize what I wanted to call it. And I remember I was in the Taco Bell drive-thru, which most inspiration comes at a fast food restaurant. And for me, it's at Taco Bell. Um, I was in the Taco Bell drive-thru and it just popped into my head, why we hike? And I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. I like it. <laughs> and so that's pretty much it. And I just wanted to create a uh, cool place, like kind of a wilderness and in wilderness therapy kind of inspired outdoor podcast sure and uh just a place where people can kind of get inspired to go outside more and then kind of look inside themselves like the experiences they've had outside and help them process it a little bit and just to get to know mother nature a little better and 
I definitely you know? know a lot of people that like I talk about my experiences being outside and they say like oh that's really cool and that sounds like you know they're, they're, they're talking about this deep connection stuff like that sounds like stimulating it sounds invigorating and spiritual but I don't really like you know I'm out of shape or I just yeah. I don't like being uncomfortable yeah. but being uncomfortable is so important and it really does like I don't know. It it helps you so much. It helps you so much and in a spiritual way too. So I think uh I think your words could help. But yeah, like having told my stories to people, they might not do the things like the backcountry stuff or the you know, sleeping on the ground without modern gear, but they definitely are going out just into parks more and and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think it helps. Yeah. But yeah. you're kind of preaching to the I choir so. with your podcast, I think. I think <laughs> from from the people that I know that listen to it. But, I mean, it's good. It's just, well, you know, people go to church every week. Yeah. And it's not really like I'm trying to get my podcast to people who aren't interested in this stuff. You know, it's the kind of... People who are interested in this stuff, that's why they listen to it, you know? It's like, sure. you know, church-going people listen to church-going things, you know? That's... that's uh, Sports people listen to sports things, you know? And it it's, it's better. And so that's just what I wanted. I wanted a place where you could hear stories and experiences from people that resonate with me because I've experienced similar things in the outdoors and it helps me. And, and I've had several people reach out to me and text me like, hey, I listened to such and such episode and it really helped me because I'm going through a similar thing or, you know, I had an injury or, you know, such and such thing that I'm going through. And What I've heard is a lot of people that we've known uh, through wilderness therapy or, or primitive skills gathering say, I really like it because it feels like I'm connected back to my friends that I never see. Mm, yeah. And I mean, yeah, you just got this big community of like-minded people, you know, for the most part. And I think that's cool. You're giving it, people want to turn on the news every day just to kind of get updated. You know, you kind of need that same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, I don't think I have any more questions for you at this point. <laughs> That's okay. It's we'll do, it, we'll do another here. part. You want to wear my coat? No. I'll stand up so I don't have to put my butt on the ground. No, it's getting kind of cold out I here. I thought we were sleeping out here. Oh. Oh, are we doing a survival trip? Yeah, we could just... And it's really windy, man. It's really windy on this microphone. For some food. Yeah. Well, uh, Clutch, maybe I'll... Uh, Walk back to the car, and maybe if I'll you say want, some more stuff in the car. If you want to delete this episode, I'm okay with that. We never have to talk Wait, about you, it. Wait, you talking to me, or are you talking to the fans out there? I'm talking to you. Oh, you talking to me? Yeah. Nah, man, I'm, this is the one episode that I'm going to promote with money. It's going to go out there everywhere. Ads, 20 bucks. Yeah, come listen to Clutch and his crazy ideas about ghosts. Wait, did we talk about ghosts? I mean, basically. Oh, okay. Basically yeah, talking about ghosts. We should really have a ghost episode. Absolutely. Divining 100%. Rods, Union Cemetery, Haunted yeah. Basketball Gym. Yes. Yeah, we live we in We really should start a ghost hunting business. Oh, Who's in? Uh, yeah. Not what? ghost busting, more like ghost. Bringing them in, partying with them. Yeah, Ghost, yeah. uh, ghost clubbing. <laughs> I'm in. Uh, anyway, yeah. Clutch and I are living in a basketball gym right now i'm pretty sure it's haunted i felt a weird cold breeze on me and he couldn't feel it so no air conditioning ducts whatsoever you can I see it was all these, exposed well, i kept feeling these I cold feel breezes running across me and you know they say that's a ghost hmm. but everyone thinks all ghosts are bad i think most of them are good some of them are bad divining rods i'll tell you some stories 
right. on the next episode. <laughs> next episode of Why We Hike. I might not tell those because then people will think I'm really wacky. <laughs> he is really wacky. No, you're not wacky at all. Yeah, he's, he's insane. What are you saying to that thing? Nothing. All right, let's walk back to the car. It's cold. It's starting to feel really good. Really? Yeah, I'm all pumped. 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 I'm all pumped.